Howdy, howdy, do who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 289. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. (laughs) I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy, 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 howdy do Who fans, welcome back for another week. This is episode 289. Hope you've all had a good week. Hope you've all had a cracking week. And that you've all managed to do something. I Doctor think, Who, Doctor Who related. related. Indeedy, deedy. Another week, dude, into 2020. Yep. Got to say happy birthday to somebody this week, or today. We're recording on Thursday the 29th. It's William Russell's birthday. He's 96. Just Chesterton. <laughs> 90, yeah, 92. 96. Years. Sorry, 96. Yeah, bloody hell. 96. Wow. Happy birthday, William. Old Wilbo. Happy birthday, a, mate. He's a lovely fella, he is. I, have I met him once or twice? I've, I've definitely met him once. <laughs> I was trying to think if I've met him twice. I think I've met him twice. Yes, I have. Yeah. And uh, yeah, really, really sort of gentle, quiet man, really, really nice guy to meet, uh, William. And uh, still very active or, uh, within within the sort of Doctor Who fandom, still does conventions. He was at, been at quite a few phantoms. He'd done LFCC, was it? Well, that last year, lost track of the time now, but he was definitely at LFCC. Yeah, he's done that, uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. No, he's a very, very nice man, William Russell. Yeah, he's done a few. Yeah, he's, um, I think he went on tour with his, his son, Yes. I went on tour somewhere. He's an actor as well, isn't he? Yeah, they went off and did a thing. That was when he was like 94 or something like that. Yeah. So he's still got it. He's still rocking and rolling. He's got more energy than me, which doesn't say a lot, but I'd love to have a bit. I'd, lo- I'd love to think I was still rocking and rolling like that in 94 or uh, 96. Yeah, um, But I'll just, I'm, I'll just be sat in front of the TV. So lazy. 
I know, I look at people like him and it's inspirational that I think, God, you know, I should be like that. Look at him go. Then I just sit there and open a bag of crisps and think, (laughs) what's on TV? There are times where it's, yeah, you just sat there watching Doctor Who and then you need to change the disc or change channel, whatever. And the remote's just a few centimetres away, (laughs) but you can't be bothered to get up and you just, oh, I'll just sit here for a minute more. (laughs) <laughs> and then I'll do it in a minute. William Russell's probably gone for a 10k run. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's had a screen reading session and yeah, oh, I know what you mean, mate. I'm just very aware of it at the minute because obviously still being in lockdown, it's, um, I'm so aware of how much time I spend in the house and not actually doing anything. Do you know what I mean? So it's very easy to just sit in front of the TV and um, I start looking for all my DVDs and thinking, right, which ones of these you know, have I, have I bought and not watched yet? Or what book haven't I read? You know, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's keeping active. So, yeah, he is an inspiration. <laughs> he is, mate. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was going to just, just 96. It's just crazy. I can't believe it. But, yeah. So, yeah, well, I hope you guys have had a good week. We've, um, I hope you guys listened to uh, last week where we, uh, we went through Sarah Jane adventures and, uh, we reviewed Death of the Doctor. It was all very good. Yes, very positive response to that. Yes, yeah. So thank you guys for um for listening to that one. Uh, coming up in today's show, we have not as much. We had a bit of a jam-packed show last week. Plenty of news and merch kicking around. But this week, we've got just one bit of news, one bit of merch. And then we're on to our review of some classic Doctor Who. Some Troughton. Some Jamie. We've got black and white action. We've got animated action we've got packer action and we've got lazy eye action it's all coming up later on in the show um before we get on to all of that stuff though dude how have you been this week have you been you've been keeping well yes not too bad at all actually i was just going to say talking of birthdays um it was also the moth's birthday uh, yesterday oh, i was yes so happy belated yeah. birthday Stephen moffat <laughs> to the moth <laughs> the moth bag. somebody posted a brilliant thing on twitter it was just two pictures of the moth and i one of them he'd got peter capaldi just collapsed behind him on the sofa i don't know what that was from and then the second picture was just the moth with matt smith collapsed on the floor which was was from (laughs) a a award ceremony where i think matt got smashed but it's just so funny just to see the moth with both of them like some sort of father figure taking them right come on matt well done we've won the awards let's go mate you've had a few drinks and you know i I, i've got a, a a certain, you know, admiration and love for the moth. Uh, I think more and more as time's gone on, I just just think he's such a dude. Uh, so happy belated birthday, yeah. Stephen Moffat. Uh, as for myself, yeah, I've been all right. I mean, I haven't managed to do much Doctor Who related stuff because obviously the invasion, being a massive whopper of an eight parter, <laughs> um, has not left a lot of time to do much else. But um, I have watched the new. Dalek animation, um, which which I'm going to talk to. I know is in our is coming up later in the show, so I'm not going to talk about it now. Um, but uh, yeah, I have managed to get that watched, and um, I'll give you my thoughts on that in a bit when oh, we cool. get to it. But yeah, so I've been watching obviously Invasion. Watched a little bit of the ex- extras on the DVD as well. It was a nice um, documentary on the second disc of Invasion about Troughton um finding the workload uh straining and why you know it went on to be his last year as a doctor that was very cool mm. um yeah i always like to sort of dip into the extras um being the two discs out i thought there'd be loads on the invasion but of course 
most of it's just the eight episodes. So there is a couple of nice little features on there, which I watch, which are good. Um, old Fraser Hines is quite heavily involved in those, which is always good. He's another dude, isn't he? I love Fraser. He is a dude. Oh, <laughs> he yeah. does. He, yeah. Uh, it's another, yeah, it's just another absolute legend. <laughs> uh, but apart from that, my friend, I've not been doing much of, I'm um, uh, two chapters away from finishing what is it? The Dead, the Fall, the Night. I always get the title wrong. <laughs> the Time of Victoria's Day. That is really, I've really enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, it's such a thin book. I mean, most people would probably read it in a day, in a couple of hours. I'm just, I'm just reading a couple of chapters um, a night, basically. And I'm, I've really enjoyed that. I'm, I'm so near the end. And um, there was a really nice surprise. So it's got like, I'm not going to say what it is, but it's got some little interludes. So you'll have like three or four chapters and then a little interlude and then another few chapters and then another little interlude. And the first interlude um, was just such a really nice thing. Uh, I was just like, Stephen Cole, the author, has really pulled a little gem out of the bag there. I love it. Oh, nice. Uh, I yeah. won't say what it is because it was, I was totally not expecting it because obviously it's a 10th Doctor story and, you know, you're getting wrapped up in that. And then suddenly this other little thing is thrown in and, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't I think you're just about to start it. Or you, you've got the book, haven't you? But you haven't started it yet, I don't think, have you? Correct, Amondo, to be yeah. started. Yeah, I, I do think you'll enjoy it. It's really, sure. really nice. I mean, I haven't got to the end yet, unless the last two chapters are disastrous and <laughs> I get to the end and think, wow, well, what a rubbish ending and throw it across the room. But no, it's been really good so far. So, yeah, I've been reading that as well. Nice, man. But not much else this <laughs> end. What about your end? Uh, yeah, um, not too much for me, buddy. Um, I did watch it. I was in a mood for some more black and white who, um, because I'd watched, I'd finished watching the invasion by, uh, Tuesday night. Um, yeah. And I was in a mood for some more black and white who. So, um, I just did the whole wave the finger around stop where it was and it landed on the 10th planet, which was handy. Oh, wow. So some black. Yeah. So it was really cool. You know, sometimes you are just in the mood for, I'm not going to use the phrase proper classic who insinuating that black and white who is proper, because, you know, a lot of the Pertwee stuff and Tom Baker, you know, all that Davison stuff is all obviously proper classic Who. But there's yeah. just something about black and white Doctor Who. Every now and then it's just needed. And and uh, after watching The Invasion, it was like, yeah, going to watch some more, um, some more black and white Who. So a bit of part no action, The 10th Planet. The only thing is it's part four is just a bit... So I so sad, isn't it? The part yeah. of all the episodes to be missing. <laughs> it's always I find it weird as well. The same with Invasion. That why are those two missing? So obviously we know that they burnt them, destroyed the originals. But how did those? So when they found like the other copies of it, wherever they found them, why are those bits missing? It's just it's odd, isn't it? You think it's sort of keep all the episodes together? It's just it's frustrating. But yes, I, know, yeah. I know what you mean about wanting to watch some more Who. Even even after the eight parts of Invasion, I, I was the same. I was thinking, oh, I really feel like watching some... I, I felt like watching some Hartnell. I always gravitate towards Hartnell with black and white. And, um, oh, I nearly said a spoiler mm-hmm. that to do with, to do with that. But, but yeah, uh, but yeah. so I, I also felt like um, watching some people. I didn't mm-hmm. get around to it, sadly. But I know exactly what you mean. Yes. Puts you in that classic mode, doesn't it? It's just something very cosy about black and white Doctor Who. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 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 and then also a stroke of luck, dude. I managed to bag the um, you know, the Daleks. This um, <laughs> yes, I do. This lamb's fist on cat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this bookazine <laughs> that they're labelling it as. Uh, dude, it's bloody lovely, mate. I, I don't normally go for the the Doctor Who mag stuff or the specials anymore so much. 
but this one, man, it's really, really good. Like, yeah. like, um, it's got um before it gets onto all of the. So anyone that doesn't know this, this um, mag, I'm going to call it like a a magazine or. A, I can see what they're trying. It's a bit difficult to categorize it because it's not a book. It's not a magazine. It's not a graphic novel. It's a, yeah, I guess bookazine is the right thing, but it's book the first easy. like 20 pages are all like history around, um, like the creation of the dialects themselves and then moving on to, um, like interviews with people like, like really old, like Ron Turner and some of the old uh, people that were involved in the beginnings. So it's really interesting. The first couple of, of, uh, chapters, and then the actual comics themselves are, they just look like they were done yesterday. Like the restoration on them. Like I was, I was thinking, right. So comic strips from back in the sixties, like the color reproduction is going to be really difficult. And because back then, like the, you know, the lines were very blurred and you know, it just wasn't, you know, you didn't have very good print techniques back then for comic strips. But I tell you what, mate, they just, it all looks like, it, it looks like somebody's thought, right, I'm going to do a brand new comic about the Daleks, but I'm going to do it in an old retro style. But it still has yeah. that kind of modern, clean um, did, did they, feel to I it. Think, I think, didn't they manage to scan the original? I saw something. I think they, they, they managed to find a really good source, clearly, from what you're saying as well. Um, yeah, most they of They might it, have even yeah. found the original source, because... Um, I do remember seeing something from Panini or Doctor Who Mag on Twitter about it. They were saying, you know, when they were talking about this, I, I'm desperate to get my hands on one. I've, I've searched everywhere and I know I'm not alone in this. Um, it's one of those things as well. It's a bit like the B&M sets where some people have gone into their local stores and they've had loads of them. And then certain parts of the country seem to be barren and can't mm-hmm. get their hands on them. And I'm unfortunately in the barren state because it's sold out really, really quickly. Yes. online yeah um they are going to add some more i think hopefully this saturday because um peter ware who's involved with dot magazine he, he's been keeping everyone updated on twitter because i think they must have hugely underestimated the demand um so yeah but yeah hopefully i'll, I'll bag one this weekend because it does look glorious I, I keep checking i've been to all my local supermarkets and um sainsbury's are normally the ones that tend to get dot two mag although they seem to have stopped now they used to be they used to be one near where i worked and um well there still is but obviously i'm not working at the minute but the the sainsbury's near where i worked used to have the specials and then even they seem to stop getting them i think um possibly because they got <laughs> stuck with because i was still seeing like the 12th doctor one on the shelf and i was thinking oh they obviously haven't sold <laughs> that one and they probably thought no we're not going to stop the new one but um yeah it looks really good um I'm, I'm, hopefully i'll get it have you seen how much they're going for on ebay ridiculous money i've seen them for 50 50 quid yeah 50 squids it's ridiculous i mean yeah. what the hell why is dot two i i can't help but get annoyed it's happening <laughs> so much with dot two merge at the minute that people are just scavenging them up and selling them and the people who actually want them like genuine fans just can't blooming get them um but anyway yeah see what happens it does look very very nice i must admit Yes. Yeah. I got the last, if there was any more, mate, I would have bagged you one and, uh, and sent you one, but there was, it wasn't even next to the doctor who magazine that's out this month. Oh really? Yeah. Cause normally you'll, you'll, you'll find it like behind it, won't you? Or next to it on the shelf. Yeah. This was like down the other end where all like the other magazines were not even in the, like the, cause they normally put it in with all the, um, like TV science fiction, video gaming kind of area. Yeah. But this was right down the other end. I don't know. So yeah, they had one left, dude. Just one lonely copy. So on one the shelf. lonely copy waiting for you. Yeah, I couldn't believe it yeah. at first. I was like, "What the bloody hell's that doing down this end?" 
So I bagged it. As you, you know, so I would have got you one, mate. But yeah, it's re- hopefully you'll you'll get one then when they've got I, some. No, more I was going to say I know Peter Weir says they're going to check the Panini store this Saturday. And the same for anyone else who's out there who hasn't got one. Um, they're going to put another batch up for sale. Uh, so I should be cool. I'll be I'll be on it. I'll be on it like lightning. <laughs> Don't worry. I should definitely get one. Yeah, um, nice. I got to say to you. Oh yeah, just talking of merch. Just I don't know why you just talking about that has reminded me. Um, did you see our old mate Lee Binding twi- um, put on his Instagram mm-hmm. that he's just submitted two more covers for future Blu-ray sets? So it looks like that. You know, the, we said the other day that cogs are turning. Uh, a few things are being filmed. Um, is it Chris Chapman who does the documentaries? Is that his name, Chris Chapman? I think it's Chris Chapman. He's he's been tweeting saying, you know, oh look, we're at BBC Centre and blurring out what he's filming. So they're they're doing stuff. So it looks like new sets uh, on the way. Um, I can't wait. You know, that's something to look forward to in the new year, isn't it? Hopefully, we'll get one around January, February time to kick off the new year. That'd be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's I, nice to know. Yeah, man. I think next year is going to be pretty sweet for who. Because we must, we must be getting. Even if series thirteen doesn't land next year as planned, I still think we're going to get at least two of those Blu-ray box sets. Because they must have had, an, they must have had two more lined up for this year, right before everything kicked off early on in the year. I yeah, I would have thought so. I mean, yeah. Lee says it keeps changing all the time. Uh, like the, they keep changing their mind on which one to release. Like he says he's just doing the covers anyway so that when they ask him for one he's already got got a head start so um but he said he submitted two new covers um so who knows but yeah 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 yeah, it looks like i mean if they're filming documentaries clearly they've decided what the next Mm -hmm. couple are going to be yeah just just to commission those documentaries so Mm -hmm. matthew sweet's also been teasing isn't he he's put up a few things saying um oh who knows who I'm going to be interviewing today. And there's a picture of like the TARDIS backdrop. So he's obviously doing his interviews and it's just nice to know it's all happening in, in between all the madness of lockdown. They're finding a way to do stuff. So that's, yeah, it is exciting. It's all good. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think next year could be good, dude. Could be. Yeah, I reckon. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, uh, but I haven't done anything else, buddy. I've just read a bit of this Daleks uh, bookazine. I'm going to continue reading that. Uh, and then I'm onto that book that, I said I was going to read three three episodes ago. So now, I'll be on actually, to that. just while I re- just while I think of it, you know, I'm not a digital person, but <laughs> God forbid I shouldn't manage to get my hands on that magazine. Have they done a digital? They they did. Version? Yeah. They yeah. must have done. Yeah, you can get it from PocketMags.com. PocketMags.com. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a pound less than the physical. Yep. Well, I never give in and do that. Well, but I might consider it should I not manage to get one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was saying this when uh, we were watching. Um, uh, was it Dark Materials and um, Dark Materials and also um, Mandalorian? We were watching those this week, and for some reason, the TV kept cracking up every time there was a sort of anything bright or a shooting scene or something where it couldn't handle the information. <laughs> and I was saying, "See, that's the problem with digital. You wouldn't get that if it was a disc. <laughs> It'd just be playing." And because it was driving us mad, because it, it literally it was like be playing absolutely fine, and it did it with both programs as well. Because they're HD, you see, and um, 
yeah, it'd get to like a certain point where like some action or something was happening and obviously the picture frames were overloaded, the digital, it couldn't catch up and it was going, it, 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 and I was like, see, that's why I like physical products. <laughs> and I was really arguing my case and just, yeah, my other half was just rolling oh, the eyes, just yeah. going, oh God, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a fan of digital. <laughs> yeah, I think we know that by now, mate. Yeah. Oh, oh, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like physical things. Anyway, right. Right, on with the show. That's what we've been up to for the past week before we crack on with our news and merch and our review uh, remember to subscribe to our show whatever whatever podcast app you get your podcasts on just do a search for the big blue box podcast you'll find us on there and we'd, yeah we'd love to have you as a sub that way you won't miss a show when it lands it goes straight into your earboxes every single friday and uh, if you want to listen in the browser uh, just head over to the website bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of our shows on the website and also on the website you can check out all of the cool articles and reviews from our awesome writing team so over the last few days we've had uh, a couple of the short trips reviews and we've had the meaning of red which is the davison um, story we've had uh, her own bootstraps which is one of the equiston ninth doctor short trips big finish which looks pretty good uh, we've also started to um, pick up the celestial toy room um, editions from the doctor who appreciation society as well so there's a review up there for that which is um, from the latest version uh, latest edition which is 511 and we've also reviewed the time lord victorious book he kills me he kills me not so go and check that review out as well so loads of stuff on there we're on the socials too instagram twitter and facebook uh, again just do a search for us or there are links on the website and we have a free discord server as well so uh, jump over to the website uh, click the link and then come and hang out and chat loads of doctor who and all, all sorts of stuff on the discord loads Ooh. of stuff around merch people's collections what people think about upcoming doctor who classic who big finish the whole lot it's a cool place to come and uh, to come and chill and chat doctor who and also remember to check out my co-host channel over on YouTube, it's called the Geeks Handbag. Yeah, he's I'm an old. He's the old YouTuber, isn't he? He's a YouTuber. He's a hootuber. Yeah. Do you like these? Do you like the calendar vid, bud? I know you weren't you weren't oh. taken with those calendars, but did they do anything to? Did they bag a sale from you? Uh no, mate. <laughs> no. Oh, you you were never taken with those, were you? No, I love the video, mate. Yeah. So anyone oh, that's not checked out Adam's video, he does he's done a very cool review of the um, of the upcoming calendars. Um, and obviously there's loads of other cool videos on Adam's channel as well. So go and check those out. And Adam is on the socials too, under the same name, the geeks handbag. It's, it's me. So go and do that. Why don't we land it dude and see what news we've got. All righty. You mentioned this earlier. And yes. episode one of the animated web series, The Daleks, has finally landed. It's about 15 minutes-ish, I think, yeah. roughly. Uh, I watched this this morning, bud. Episode um, one and two, or just the first one? Just the first one. All right. And I know you've obviously watched them, so uh, yeah, you said you've got some interesting thoughts on this. What have you got on this one? Oh, I don't know if it's interesting thoughts, but I, I was just... Um, because when we got the trailer for this a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the podcast. We were a bit unsure about it, weren't we? Because we were like, oh, blimmin' it, the Daleks have 
being so overused at the minute. Sick of Daleks. They're just literally everywhere. Um, Time of Victorious, big finish of every story, it seems. Yeah, they're a bit oversaturated at the minute. And we the animation in the trailer just looked a bit iffy. And I don't know, it, I wasn't expecting a lot. Um, so I, I think we'd, we'd this uh, launched last Thursday. We'd just finished doing the pod. Uh, went downstairs, had a bit of lunch and switched on the TV. And, and I just happened to time it right that it was um, about to premiere. So they did they did like a YouTube, you know, um, what do they call it when they sort of schedule it? So yeah, there was like a countdown. And, yeah, uh, and okay. I just happened to time it perfectly. Like there was a minute to go. I said, oh, well, as I'm here, as I'm, as I'm on it, I'll, I'll give this a watch. And um, the nice thing about that was is that I was suddenly, you suddenly become part of, so I was on Twitter, you know, sort of seeing everyone else saying, oh, a minute to go and how many rails till Dalek launch. So you suddenly become part of a watch along. And I didn't realize they was done as sort of planned to do it like that, if you see what I mean. It was like a nice little moment of, oh, I've suddenly joined a group of Doctor Who fans about to watch this new Dalek thing. Let's see what this is like then. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's about 15 minutes long. And I was really pleasantly surprised by it, actually. Um, so it starts off in like, oh, here they are, Daleks in space war. Then the old, big old, what is he, the Emperor Dalek with a big old football gold head. diamond. Yeah, yeah, football, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like that. He comes in. And I was just finding myself getting really into it. I mean, the, the animation is is weird because in some some shots, it's it's beautiful, actually. Some shots, it looks really, really nice and um, quite simplistic, but it just looks beautiful. And then other shots, there was like explosions and, and battle and, and uh, it looks almost half finished. It's like, oh, that's a shame because that doesn't look very good at all. And But to be honest, it's a bit like with anything to do with Doctor Who, why don't you just stop sort of worrying about stuff like that you know like a bit like the classic series when you start worrying about how the sets look and how the animation looks and you just actually follow the story i i really enjoyed it um and i was surprised i'll be honest with you it got to the end and i thought normally with this sort of thing i'll watch the first bit and then think yeah i'll probably watch the rest later not too bothered but i was thinking oh actually i'm left me really looking forward to the second part just to see where it goes and um and I went on Twitter to see what the reaction was, to see if people were slagging it, you know, <laughs> slaying it to the ground because of the animation and stuff. And and most of the stuff I saw was really positive. And I think a lot of people like me were like, oh, actually, that that was quite good. And, you know, very sort of simple sort of story to begin with. Anyway, just to sort of round this up, I, I watched the second part literally before we recorded this morning. And um, because I think if you subscribe to the newsletter, you get like a link to watch the second part. That's right. Slightly yeah. earlier, but yeah. it, it will have aired by the time the podcast goes out. The second part is is even better, in my opinion. The animation certainly seems, uh, well, it's the same, but it seems a bit more adventurous. Um, I really thought the animation looked nice in the second part. Still quite basic. I think maybe I'm just getting used to the style of it, maybe. Um, but it was a cool little 15-minute story. It's... Um, I really like, I'm not going to say what happens in it, but I really liked what happened in it. I thought this, this is actually really dragging me in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm just quite surprised. I, I didn't really expect cause it was Daleks and, you know, a bit boring. I, I just wasn't expecting to be too bothered about this, but I've really enjoyed the first two parts. So I hope the rest of it, um, is as good. It's, it, it's just a good fun little 15 minute watch, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's my thoughts on it. I, I've quite enjoyed it, but, what did you think to the first step? Yeah, so 
Dude, I was like you, I was quite surprised by this. I think going into it, I was like, oh, bloody hell, we've, you know, everything's just, you know, and there's me picking up the bloody Daleks bookazine, <laughs> moaning about everything. Yeah. You know, Daleks, about Daleks everywhere. Yeah. Terry Nation's up there rubbing his hands together. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought, oh, okay, we'll give it a go anyway. It's only, I think the whole video is 15 minutes, but if you take away some credits and on, I think it's only 10 minutes really, but. Uh, but dude, I was pleasantly surprised. Like you, I thought this is actually a pretty decent story and pretty good mm. because the I did think, like you and probably some other people, I did think, oh, this animation looks a bit ropey in some places, and mm. you know, you you can tell that they, they've done the best with what they've got. I, I can't imagine this has got too much of a, a budget behind it, so they've done you know done a pretty decent job with what they've got. But it's more about the the story and that really cool kind of um, tune in next week to find out what happens. It's got like a nice cliffhanger, um, mm. you know, especially episode one. Uh, there's, I don't really want to land any spoilers on anyone's laps, but if you've not seen it, go and check it out. Just do a search on YouTube, but it's got a really cool. Uh, I'm not even sure what time period this is set in. Um, no, I'm not I'm, sure actually. Yeah, because I, it's obviously part of the time Lord Victoria's stuff, but I'm not sure exactly when, when it's set but all we do know is and there's a bit of blurb around this one it just says the daleks invade the archive of islos seeking knowledge of the dark times but will the archivians surrender or is there more in the archive than the dalek emperor is expecting so yeah it's all very like hmm, what are they after so yeah it, like the setup is really good like you said it's daleks in space like war is you know they're sort of they're shooting the crap out of this planet and stuff and they've destroyed a load of buildings and people that are on the planet and whatnot. And you've got these strange kind of um, library type of robots, I guess, these archivians. And they all, their faces almost look like the androids from that um, Baker story um, or that Pertwee story. I can't remember. It's... Um, you know, I'm not the, sure which one you mean. You they, know, they reminded me of Logan's Run, the robots. Oh, Logan, yeah, possibly, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they've got like a kind of classic Who sort of design about them, which is really nice. And uh, yeah, it's a really cool setup. I'm not going to say, you know, what the cliffhanger is if you haven't seen it, but it's just like a pleasant little thing to watch. And I'm really looking forward to um, to episode two. So, I yeah, think you'll yeah. like episode two. I, I think that's the thing. Maybe because my expectations were low. Maybe I was just because there's nothing amazing about the first part, but it was enough to get me hooked in. Mm. And um, the second part I watched this morning, I felt felt like, okay, this has got more to it than I was uh, sort of expecting because the Daleks, in a sense, they've given them slight characters which I think is why it's more interesting than I thought. So especially in episode two. So obviously the Emperor Dalek, he's pretty self-explanatory. He's just giving all the orders and, you know, he's the big guy, he's the big cheese. <laughs> but then you've got these other Daleks that are sort of um, working for him. And I've, I don't, can't remember the, which one it is that's in the second part. It might be scientist or something. I'm not sure, but... Well, there's, one that's, there's one that's got like sort of beat up body armor. That's him, like the strategist. The strat strategist. Yeah. He's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, I think when you watch the second one, you'll, you'll really like him in it because he, again, it's to do with his character. So oh, I can't really <laughs> say much about giving anything away, but um, yeah, because of that sort of characterization, because you can only give a Dalek so much character without making it sort of cliche or turning it into sort of more than it should be. Um, but they've managed to give them just enough to distinguish between each Dalek. And 
it definitely adds something more to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what you think of the second episode. I, mm. As I said, first one was fine and it was enough to drag me in. Second one I watched this morning, I, I just thought, yeah, I'm really, really getting into this. It's a really nice little 15-minute um, sort of escapism, if you like. I, I really am liking it. Yeah, I wonder if they'll release it. Because um, that's the thing. I always judge something. If I'm liking something... I know I like it enough when I think to myself, oh, I wonder if they'll release a DVD of this. Like I can imagine a Dalek Steelbook or something. <laughs> mate, mate, this is the BBC. This will be on... Of course it will, This yeah. will be on DVD, Blu-ray, Steelbook, special edition, <laughs> whatever. Betamax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the whole thing. But <laughs> Yeah. No, it is, a, it is a good start, I must admit. It is um, yeah. better than what I was expecting it to be. And I think it's because it's got a proper story behind it. And like you said we've got some characterization between or behind the Daleks and it's got um, uh, a fairly decent cast um, other than Nick Briggs, of course, being the the voice of the Daleks. We've also got a guy called Joe Shug, who is a YouTuber apparently was on very, well, very popular YouTuber apparently because he was on Strictly last year. Uh, We've got Anjali Mahindra, obviously uh, Ronnie from the Sarah Jane Adventures and um, Aisha Antoine, um, who's in Holby City. So they've got, you know, some good voices behind it and stuff. And yeah, so it should be good. So this is in five parts all in all. Uh, we've got part one now on YouTube, which we'll put a link to in our show notes if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, part two, you can watch if you subscribe to the official Doctor Who newsletter here in the UK. They send you a link to go and watch that. But I think it should be out when you're listening to this anyway. Uh, and then we've got three parts after that. So yeah, we'll probably um, we'll probably speak about these each week, dude, until they're done, just to give you a little update on them. But yeah, it's good so far. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd definitely be interested to see if you think the second episode um, sort of carries it on nicely like I did, or if you thought, nah, I should have had enough of this. I think because it's tucked away on YouTube, I think that's the other reason that I just thought it was going to be a bit throwaway, if that makes sense. I thought, oh, it's just a little thing they've made for YouTube, looks a bit cheap. And I think that's why I just wasn't really expecting a lot from it. So, mm. yeah, be interesting to see if the rest of it's good. But, yeah. Yeah, indeed. Right, that's the only bit of news we have. Let's crack on. Let's see what old misery, misery guts has got for us. <laughs> match corner, match corner, match corner. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Well, there you are, young man. What do you think of that now, eh? A Viking helmet. I know it's on the telly. It's everywhere. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. I work in a shop now. Here to help. I was going to say something else then, which is why I had to repeat the misery bit. I was going to call him misery beep. Oh yeah. Well, don't do that. Can't do that. No, not on a family podcast. I don't want to have the, the RSPCD <laughs> on me, whatever it is. The, uh, there must be a protection group about violence towards Daleks somewhere. I don't want it those guys would, knocking on the door. It'd have them on you like a flash. I'm surprised he hasn't called him already. <laughs> Cheeky. Anyway, he's only got one thing for us. Yep. And it's an upcoming story from Big Finish, which actually looks rather interesting. So in March next year, you'll be able to listen to a new three-part audio drama called Master. And I think I should say it as Master, because it has an exclamation mark at the end. Oh, yeah, it does, yeah. So Master is going to star, well, is starring uh, Eric Roberts from the TV movie. Wow. Which is insane. 
because it seems it's just really weird seeing Eric Roberts on the front of a Doctor Who cover again. It is, yeah. It's very <laughs> weird, yeah. But he's aged a little bit, bless him. He's got some lot of grey hair going on. Mm. Whatever he's been up to, uh, he's definitely aged uh, like the rest of us. And it also co-stars Chase Masterton. Masterson uh, as well. A little bit of blurb on this one. So, Abandoned in the Vortex, the Master's lost incarnation is about to be thrown a lifeline. Earth rebuilds in the aftermath of invasion and power rests with those who innovate. Genius Leela Krieg makes a deal with the devil to see her dreams fulfilled. As the Master returns, there are those, like Vienna Salvatore, who wish to hunt him and those upon whom he wishes vengeance himself. Ooh, so part one is called Faustian, or Faustian by Robert Valentine. And Drake Enterprises is the most powerful company on Earth. Dr. Leela Krieg is its most valued asset, but her experiments open a doorway which allow an evil back into the universe. The master can offer Leela the world so long as she obeys him. Mm. Number two is called Prey by Robert Whitlock. And it's uh, the synopsis for that one is Impossibly Glamorous Assassin Vienna Salvatore. Uh, which I think is played by Chase Masterson, uh, has a new target. Crossing time and space, Vienna takes one final job to free her from this life. But when the Master is hunted through the slums and ganglands of London, the line is blurred between predator and prey. And finally, Vengeance by Matt Fitton. The Daleks are returning. Their plan, (laughs) long in the making, is complete. Earth will be theirs once more. But someone stands against them someone with his own reasons for revenge, and Vienna and Leela are caught in the crossfire because Earth's greatest hope against the Daleks lies with the Master. Mm. Oh, yeah. The Daleks are back, dude. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Don't you say anything. Don't you say a word. (laughs) He's desperate to get on a big finish cover. He is. He is. So what do you reckon, dude? A bit of Eric Roberts action, mate, for the old uh, for the old master? Yeah, I think this is pretty good. Uh, well, it sounds pretty good. I mean, when's it out? Fe- March next year. Yeah. yeah, I like the fact he's um, still involved with Who, because me and you, both fans of the TV movie, and his, his master is obviously only in that one story. Um, and I think it's good that we can explore a bit more of his master so that he's not just like, you know, just that one-off appearance. So I'm quite into this I, I, i'll probably get it i think um you know i'm quite intrigued by it i like the fact that they've put a new picture on there as well so like you said he looks a bit older they haven't tried to sort of you know use the same sort of master promo picture or whatever so yeah there's enough enough hmm. there to to get my interest i think um i think this is definitely going to be worth a listen i think so yeah and hopefully yeah. hopefully i know that the tv movie is not up on people's lists or high up on people's lists, should I say, of, of mm. fave Doctor Who. You and I are big fans of it. Yeah, I, so, love, I really like the movie, yeah. Yeah, so I think if this is a stepping stone into bringing Eric Roberts into more Doctor Who, then I think this will be cool. Because um, like it, or like him, or hate him, whatever, um, he does have a certain presence in that film when he becomes the master. Yes, it's a bit corny. Yes, it's a bit Americanized in some shape or form but he does have a certain presence and um you know as the track record for big finish goes we often find that things that weren't sort of hitting the mark or overly popular on screen 
oftentimes do really well. They have a big finish, have a great knack of bringing out sort of the best in people's characters and how they mm. how they put those characters forward into a, into an audio drama. So this could be could be pretty cool, but I think it's got a lot of people's interest. Um, and they also put out like a big finish, put out a um, a small 15, 20 second little clip of Eric Roberts uh, doing a little video, doing his master voice and stuff, which is all very creepy and all good. So yeah, I'm up for this one, mate. So yeah, March uh, next year, it will cost you $16.99 if you want to order it digitally. Sorry, bud, for you purists with the physical edition, you're going to have to pay a bit more. Uh, you're going to have to pay 20 quid. Uh, to That's get, not too bad. Yeah, yeah. It'd be good. It'd be good if they did some with him and McGann. I'd like to see because they oh. used Eric. Eric Roberts did a tiny little bit yeah. in um, one of the others, didn't he? Where he appeared with all the masters. Can't remember which one that was. Uh, but yeah, it'd be good to have a, a proper Eighth Doctor and Master story on Big Finish. That'd be good. I know they they can't get the rights to um, to Daphne's character. What was she called? Grace. Grace. Oh yeah. Grace yeah. and um, uh, what was? Oh, the what was his name? Come on. I can't think. But yeah, they can't get the rights to those characters. Um, so they can't sort of do that TARDIS team. But it's nice to have something else that relates to the movie, I think. Is it Chen? Is it Chen? No. What was his name? Um, I don't know because I can only think of his real name. can't think of the character name. Oh, mate, this is unacceptable. <laughs> but it will come as no surprise to any of our listeners. Yeah, uh, uh, Chang Lee, played Chang by Yu Ji So. Yeah. Yu Ji So. Yeah. Chang Lee. Oh, dear. But yeah, that'd be cool because uh, we've not had Eric Roberts and McGann together for, what, 20-odd years since the TV movie? Yeah. yeah. That'd be amazing. So there we go. Master, with an exclamation mark, is out next year in March. Uh, right. He's obviously buggered off, so we're all good. Right, review time, bud. Yes. What have we got? So, Packer. Uh, yeah, so second Doctor story this week. Bit of Patrick Troughton. This one, Cybermen, The Invasion. Captain Turner calling unit control. Captain Turner calling unit control. Are you receiving me? Over. Unit control receiving you. Over. Chaos here. Only half the world recovered so far. In the sewers of London, there are creatures from outer space waiting to attack us. How nice to see you again, Doctor. It's Colonel Deathbridge Stewart. Uh, Brigadier, now, I've gone up in the world. Since the Yeti do, I've been in charge of an independent intelligence group we call UNIT. That's United Nations Intelligence Task Force. My men were keeping a watch on the International Electromagnetic Headquarters when you two showed up. Well, what's so odd about people going into the building? Well, nothing odd about them going in. Trouble is, some of them haven't come out. They're the world's biggest electronic manufacturers. You can hardly buy a piece of equipment that isn't theirs. Some old friends of ours are here, Zoe. The Cybermen. Yes, I'm afraid it's true, Zoe. Let's see how the Cybermen react to fear. Coming out from both directions. It's gone mad. They're going to kill us all. You can't make bargains with them. They're going to drop some sort of bomb. They're going to wipe us all out, sir. I shall control them. <laughs> love trailers like that that is a great trailer that's a good one yeah so uh the invasion was first broadcast part one went out on the 2nd of november 1968 and it concluded on the 21st of december so a nice christmas present to see the finale mm. uh, back in 1968 it stars the um usual team around that time so pat trouton as the doctor 
with Fraser Hines as Jamie and Wendy Padbury as Zoe. Uh, pretty substantial supporting cast in this one. Uh, it's eight parts, and it was written by Derek Sherwin, uh, and they kind of really peddle the fact that, yes, this is a story by Kit Peddler, and it was directed by Douglas Camfield. And the kind of plot is uh, they arrive on Earth and they something happens. Um, they get fired out, out in space by the moon. They land on Earth uh, and they realise, yeah, let's go and see our old mate. Um, but they realise he's not there. So they end up um, being quite comically uh, kidnapped, quote unquote, by unit and taken to the brig. Uh, he's no, he's not colonel anymore. Like you said, he's been up, he's been promoted <laughs> to brig, and uh, he's in charge of unit. And they're investigating this electronics company, um, International Electromatics. Uh, the the top dude there, the MD Tobias Vaughan. Uh, it turns out he's working with the Cybermen uh, to coordinate an invasion. Hence the name of the story. And he's planning to transmit a hypnotic signal through all of the electronic company's products. Uh, leaving the Earth paralysed, which would allow the Cybermen to emerge from the sewers and take over from London and all other countries where they've landed, and so on. So, a bit of a monster story, this one, dude. Lots going on, plenty of parts. What do you reckon? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Is it considering it's um, it's a fairly simple storyline, isn't it? And you'd think, gosh, can they really make that last over eight parts? Um but they do it very well. Uh, I really overlooked this story. Um, when we put it on the schedule, I remember thinking, yeah, oh, it's not a, you know, it's, it's not one I gravitate towards very often. Um, and having watched it again, I, I don't know why I don't gravitate towards it. Cause I thought it was brilliant. Um, I really, really thought it was a great piece of television. I mean, a lot of it. Uh, so it's a good story. Um, Maybe just a tad longer eight parts, but I wasn't bored at all during any episode. Um, I mean, to be fair, I didn't watch them all in one go. I watched them three, then another three the next day, and then I watched two the following day. So I broke it up into nice little chunks, and um, I was thoroughly enjoying this all the way through. Uh, it's the direction, I think, is very important to this. Douglas Canfield is a great director. He really, really makes this feel like a classic piece of television it's um you know his direction is so precise and he has a real style to his direction which really shows in this story um some lovely location work in it um but it's yeah it's just as i said simple simple storyline eight parts would have been i mean it, it's a great eight parter i think if you would reduced it to six would have been absolutely superb but it, it, it still stands up very well uh, over eight parts um and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm just slightly surprised, really, that I haven't sort of appreciated this story more over the years. I think I've watched it probably twice before now. So this would have been my possible third watch. Um, but I know the last time I watched this, I just don't remember sort of getting into it. I, I reckon I probably thought, oh, I haven't watched that one much. Let me put it on. And then I, I reckon I didn't watch it properly. I probably had it on in the background and I was on my phone or something because Watching this again, I was just surprised how good it was. And I kept thinking, why do I not know this? You know, why why have I not loved this story more over the years? This is brilliant. This is a great atmosphere and really um, good performance from all the cast as well. Um, 
So yeah, a bit of an uh, just personally a bit of an overlooked gem uh, for myself. I, I've this has sort of massively gone up in my estimations. Um, if I had one minor sort of thing that I suppose I would criticise, and it's not really a criticism; it's more of an observation. Is that the Cybermen, as it's a Cyberman story, and it is a brilliant Cyberman story. They don't come into it till very late, so they, they, they make the first appearance in the cliffhanger to episode four, is it? And then we don't see much of them until really the last episode when we have an epic shootout with the Cybermen. So I kind of wish once the Cybermen did invade, we got to see a bit more of them. I'd like to see a bit more of the actual Cyberman invasion, but. Um, in a way, that also works as a positive because when we do see them, it's such a awesome thing that it's it's almost like a treat. It's like, oh, here they are, finally. Gosh, we're getting the proper shootout with these awesome Cybermen. So, yeah, but I just, I don't know, I wish they read it slightly more because obviously being eight parts, it is quite long. I'd like to send a little bit more of the Cybermen, a little bit more of that invasion. We When we see those iconic shots of them on the streets of London outside St. Paul's and all that, that's amazing. I wish I would just wish you could have seen just a little bit more because they finally burst out of sewers. They're all over the London landmarks, and you think, "Here we go!" And then in, the episode ends, and then in the next one, there's a lot of talk about the invasion and what's that sound and other Cybermen everywhere, but we don't really see it until the final sort of shootout. And I thought, "Ah, oh, it's a shame that episode seven we didn't get to see the Cybermen really like." you know, sort of kicking down doors and people running away from them. And I, I just would have loved to have seen that because that's kind of left up to our imagination. But, um, but it's a very minor sort of point, really, because I, I, I thought it was a great story, brilliantly directed and very well performed. So, yeah, I, I, I would call this an absolute classic. Absolute classic. Um, I'm going to stop talking because I want to ask you your point, but don't let me forget to talk about the animation because that was the next thing I was going to talk about. But let me take a breath and let you speak for a minute. (laughs) Yeah, dude, this has it all really, doesn't it? It does, yeah. If you were to, and there's a few stories like this one, where if you were to just sum up, like, what's great, just awesome, classic Doctor Who, this has got to be on the list, right? Yeah, well, yeah, definitely, yeah. You know, it's one of those stories that has all the ingredients that you need for a great classic adventure. It's got the... Um, it's got the cast on awesome form, pretty much most of them on awesome form. The story itself plays out really nicely, even across eight parts, which is a feat, which is a real challenge because we know of some four parters that start to drag really hard in like episode like eight parts. Yeah. Yeah. The dragons, especially episode three. Mm. Whereas this one, I wouldn't say it thunders along. It doesn't, you know, I mean, it, it's not like a, it's not like, um, uh, what's the phrase to use? It's like on, with some stories that are just so well written, it feels like the story is a train. And as the viewer, you're like laying down the tracks really quickly in front of the train. And mm-hmm. you've got like this really cool forward motion as you go through. It's not quite like that, but it certainly doesn't, it certainly doesn't come across as boring in any way shape or form it's got a really nice um sort of flow to it um, i'm not talking about the action scenes or there are there are a few of those but even some of the scenes where it's just the doctor talking with unit and the brig and you know or they're inside the 
um, the the headquarters and they're talking to the main boss villain dude. You know, even those scenes where there's not much going on, it's still got a nice feel to it. It's got like, I think it's just been really well cast. Like it's like the we'll come on to the the guy that played Vaughn. You know, he's yeah. got that very sort of classic cheesy Bond type of villain about him, but at the same time, he's got like bags of authority. Like he doesn't take any nonsense, mm. and he's a bit of a an intriguing character. The doctor kind of alludes, doesn't he? Like he only blinked a certain amount of times in one minute. The human blinks on so, average. Yeah. So he, you know, the doctor's onto him straight away and you know, something's not right. So, and then you've got unit obviously, and the brig who's now been, you know, back in the web of fear. He was just Colonel Lethbridge Stewart, but now he's been promoted and he's overseeing. So units becoming that thing that is, that we see, um, throughout Pertwee's era, it's becoming much more of that. And this was kind of like, um, this format was kind of like a testing ground, which they followed in a, in a few stories moving into and throughout Pertwee's era where you had all these other, other things going on, but whenever it was a unit story, it was mostly set in like present day, I suppose. And it was meant to be about some kind of threat to the earth and the doctor was working alongside unit. So it was kind of a cool testing ground for that formula Mm. as well. Uh, But I'll be honest with you, mate, the only one, and this is going to sound really weird. The only one thing that kind of lets this down, and it's not really a dig to be honest with you, because it's all pretty decent. It's the Cybermen themselves. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Because, and there's two reasons why I say that. And I don't mean this like in a big, like I'm going to start hacking points off the score for it. It's not like that. It's just a slight thing. And you mentioned it as well. The first thing is they're not in it until very late into the, the actual story. Yeah. So that that's not terrible in its by itself because the buildup is quite nice. Like the, the suspenseful sort of reveal, I suppose, to the, to the side when you see them for the first time. And I think that leads back to why they've changed the title of the story, because initially it was called Return of the Cybermen. But they changed it because they didn't want it. They didn't want people to know it was a Cybermen story. And then the other thing is, um, they don't seem like they seem to hand lots of power and concede a lot of time. Uh, a, a lot of times, you know, when Vaughn sort of, you know, he comically does the, the the wall that sort of rolls out the way yeah to reveal like the big communication machine thing (laughs) um there's quite a few times where he's like uh i'm in charge now and then you hear like this kind of modem sound (laughs) while this thing's communicating with the dalek ship in space and then it comes back and then he's like that is okay Agreed. I was, I was going to try and do the voice. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, Adam's got a glass of water that he's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the computer voice cracked me up. I loved it. Yeah, it's like a warbly uh-huh. kind of. Well, it was sad, kind of had a sad tone to it as well. It like, was it gargling yeah. water? It's like, oh, they won't be pleased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, <laughs> it had that going on where. <laughs> They had like, our plan is to do this now. And then Vaughn's like, no, you will obey me. And then he'd communicate and then he'd come back. That is agreed. And then, so that was the only thing. Like the, the Cybermen came across like 
they weren't as badass as they were in some other stories. They were like, mm. we've got this big plan. Um, and it turns out that they were going to kill that dude anyway. Yeah. It turns yeah. out that he was kind of expendable and they were just using him. Um, cause I think later on they reveal, it's like, you know, you are no longer needed. They were going to, he was going to die anyway. If the he invasion, yeah. If the invasion went through. Um, but yeah, so like he was like constantly like, I'm in charge now and you're going to do this and I'm going to tell you, you know, so they were like, yeah, okay. So that was the only thing for me, mate. Like the Cybermen, they just felt a bit weak on, in reflection to how they are in a lot of other stories where they're very like, you know, they're, they're very strong and nothing's going to stop the plan and everything. So yeah, that was it for me. But otherwise though, dude, just a freaking sweet awesome like classic story i really liked it yeah i i kind of get what you mean about cyber because um i don't know i I can sort of see that from two sides because i i liked the fact that for once someone was sort of standing up to them and they were finding this middle ground but you kind of knew that they you know once they'd used more and he, he was his days were numbered but uh but i know what you mean so like in the we get an epic final part of the story where there's lots of action and big shootout between unit and sidemen and but they do take out the sidemen quite easily don't they so we get great shots of them walking towards unit and say here we go these are going the sidemen are gonna you know kick some ass and then yeah they get taken down pretty quick so i do know what you mean about that um i think that sort of slightly comes back to what i said about i'd like to see a bit more of the sort of terror that we that they talk about on screen so they're saying oh the cybermen are everywhere they're taking over the world you think no let's see it i know we've only got six cybermen mm-hmm. um but we can still yeah i would just love to have seen a bit more of like the the london stuff or even if they just cut to set and saw cybermen bashing down some doors so love to have seen a bit more of the invasion just to bring home like you said the how ruthless the cybermen are um, so i do kind of see where you're coming from on that yeah uh, to be fair yeah, and also it it feels to me like they weren't the main threat or villain in the story. It felt like Vaughn was the guy that was the the person to look out for. He was the one that's going to cause the unit, and potentially because I think his plan, if I remember, was he was actually going to use the Cybermen for his own purposes. He was going to allow the invasion, but then re- maintain control. He was going yeah, to I think to, he thought that's what was going to happen. Yeah. 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 And to be fair, he had a good crack at that. <laughs> he mm. did pretty well. I mean, I know he gets wasted. What is it at the end of episode seven, I think, or beginning of episode eight? I can't remember when he's because mm. he kind of realized that there's a, a cool scene where the doctor's like yelling in his face, you know, when he's communicating with the with the um, the Daleks, bloody hell, they're on my bloody mind with, I know. with the Cybermen and. Uh, Chowton's like don't you see you won't be able to control them and then he's yelling in his face and then he, he kind of got that moral dilemma going on and then he can see drops doesn't it yeah. yeah and then they kind of join forces I suppose but up to that point it was Vaughn really that was the he was the driving force behind all of the he's the one that kidnapped um, uh, the doctor and Jamie and then kidnapped Zoe and and uh, her mate what was her name um the photographer Sally is it? Sally yeah and uh yeah so he was the one so that kind of detracts a little bit from I know they're meant to, I assume anyway that they were written to be like this kind of um sort of oncoming force that 
is on its way, but it's not quite here yet. The invasion hasn't started because that's the build-up in the story, isn't it? We're waiting for yeah. this moment where Vaughn kicks off the radio signal, turns everybody into like zombies, I suppose, cripples them, and then the Cybermen can emerge and then take over the the world because the humans are like in a vegetable state, I suppose, from this radio wave. So you kind of feel like, yeah, we're building up to that point. They're coming, they're coming. Um, but I think, yeah, in, not in a bad way. Again, I'm, I'm not criticising this because I'm, you know, it's like a, a bad thing, but the character of Vaughn kind of steals the show away from the Cybermen in a lot of respects. But that's not a bad thing because Kevin Stoney, he just did like a really good job of of uh, of playing that kind of ruthless um uh, tyrants, I suppose. Yeah, he's definitely got the look, isn't he? He looks like a villain. Like you said, it's just, he does look a bit Bond villainous, villainy. But um, yeah, I know what you mean. I think that's the thing. It, thankfully, he's very strong in the part, so it does. Um, it, he does totally carry the episodes that he he has to be in. And I would have liked to have seen. So when we get that great reveal of the Cybermen at the end of episode four, I'd have liked to have seen a bit more of them. So I think, yeah, okay, we're halfway through the story let's bring in the Cybermen a little bit more um, because they do feel like they're not, I don't know. It's a great Cyberman story, but they're, they're not in it a lot when you think about it over the eight parts. So yeah, I, I know what you mean. They do take a little bit of a back seat. I mean, that, that computer gets more screen time. <laughs> uh, that thing gets more good, but I, I do love that. It cracked me up when it, it got blown up. Um, but um yeah, I, I just would have uh, just a fraction more of the Cybermen. I don't know. In a way, it's good because it, it it leaves me wanting more rather than thinking, oh, here they are, Cybermen. But it's yeah, I think it would have been nice if they'd been in it just a little bit more. Um, I think I was also I worried about the animation because I thought, oh, eight episodes, but two of them are animated. I think thankfully it's only two because um, you know we, this is such a good story. That I think um, it's it would have been a shame if more of it was missing. So thankfully, only two episodes are missing. One of them is episode one, and I, I remember when I put this on uh, the other day. You know, when I started, I thought, "Oh, it's a shame it's the first episode's animation." Because I I don't struggle with animation, but it doesn't grip me in a way of, of a normal episode. So I was thinking, "All right, let's get let's get episode one out of the way." Was my sort of thinking and then get into the real action. But the animation is actually pretty good, I thought. I actually really liked it. It's a totally different style to what we get now. Um, but I don't know about you, but in a way I kind of preferred it. I actually found this very easy to watch. I wasn't sat there thinking, oh, animation's a bit clunky. Like, you know, sometimes with even some of the newer ones, like Power, of the Daleks. I remember thinking like where the doctor's walking, it's really sort of, um, I don't know, basic. This seemed to, the animation seemed to flow really nicely. It's a totally different style, totally different production behind it. I assume the company who did it, it's totally different to whoever does it now. Um, sometimes they use a sort of almost photograph background, don't they? So you'll get animated characters with almost like a black and white photograph, which has been, drawn over and i thought that's interesting that works really well so they've obviously got like you know an original photo and then they've animated over it and 
I, I found the two animated episodes a, a lot better than I was expecting. I, I was kind of thinking those would be the ones where I kind of sit there and I'm listening to it, but I'm not really watching it because I've lost interest. And But I actually found them very easy to watch. I was, again, pleasantly surprised by the animation in this. It, it's just a little bit basic, but it it was good, I thought. Um, mm. What year was this released on DVD? I'm not sure where this is in the animation sort of... Uh, timeline of things uh video is released in 93 what did you what do you think the animation did you because i struggle with telly snaps i really really find it hard mm-hmm. not to zone out with telly snaps but i found the animation in this very good i actually very watchable anyway i yeah. had no problem with it at all yeah no i'm glad you said that mate because the the animation's an interesting one for this because if you look at some of the the more recent ones that we've had, everything is drawn in a kind of flat style. With, yeah. If you know what I mean. It's not like... I um, do, yeah. Yeah, whereas this one, and I'm really glad you picked up on the backgrounds as well. So when they... When the Beeb were sort of, I guess, shopping around for different companies or studios to do the animation... Um, the the company that did this was a company called Cosgrove Hall. Right. Some people might recognize that name. It's basically the company that did some really popular animated stuff back in the mid eighties to early nineties. So things like, um, wind in the willows, the BFG animated oh, film. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah. Danger mouse, count Duckula. You like those really popular, wow. really good British animated stuff. And I had no in, idea. Yeah, so in in the BFG animated film, they kind of they they that they were doing that stuff back then, back in like eighty eight or eighty nine, whenever it was, um, where you had like this realistic background, um, and it looked like it had been painted over on top, or it had been you know it was done in certain way. So I thought exactly the same thing when I saw like especially when they're in London and this other uh, the electronics company, and uh, even some of the scenes where. Like the first time I noticed it is at the beginning where they get picked up by that guy in the truck and they they then stop somewhere in the countryside and you see like a shot with like all the fields and the electricity pylons and everything like that. And I thought, crikey, that looks like like really detailed for an animated, you know, you know didn't have to do that much detail. So it looks like it was kind of a, a photograph, but then they had mm. either traced on top of it with like some basic... Uh, colors and stuff and just made but it it certainly makes the actual animated figures that the people stand out a lot more from the background so it's a real nice surprise to have that and in a way i mean this is obviously better than having the telly snaps and having to watch through stills and stuff like that but in a way dude it's got a really nice feel to it like the animation itself i don't think it's as fluid as some of the newer stuff, but it certainly has a a nice um, a nice vibe to it. It's got a really cool, even like the facial expressions and and all that lot. So they you can tell that even though they've been commissioned just to do two parts, they've put a lot of time, a lot of time and effort into it. it looks, I th- I think it's a really good, a really good effort on the animation. I wasn't disappointed at all, like not no. at all. No, the, the lightness is good as well, isn't it? Because some, sometimes even with the new ones, like in Fury and that. Um, Holly, they just don't seem to be able to capture her. And um, but yeah, I mean the, the the animation of the 
faces looked pretty good in this. Like Charlton looked fairly reasonable for Charlton, you know, because again, a hard face to capture Patrick Charlton, you know, but they, they looked enough like the characters not to look um, odd. I mean, I still find it strange. So when you watch the new animations, like Fury from the Deep, when you get the opening credits and you get that um, animated Charlton face come through because you get like uh, sort of three of it because, you know, it blends into the opening titles. I still find that weird. It's quite creepy, but yeah, I don't know. I, I agree. I thought the animation was good and I had no idea this company had done all this great stuff. Um, they did scream with the Shelker as well. Uh, the, uh, what doctor was he? The Richard E. Grant doctor. Uh, is he doctor nine? I don't know. Who, who knows who now? Knows? <laughs> who knows? But yeah, they did that. And, um, I was looking to see if they'd done any of the others because obviously there is quite a few animated episodes now. And as far as I can see, the only other thing they did was the Infinite Quest. Uh, and that's a shame um, because, yeah, I think this style is brilliant. Mm-hmm. I I can't remember who did Tenth Planet's got an animated one, hasn't it? So that must have been a different company. I think that's um, different, yeah. Which other ones have been animated? There's been a few. Um, but I wonder why they didn't use them again. Maybe they couldn't afford them or... Because it's definitely got, oh, the Reign of Terror, that's animated, isn't it? Yes. Now yeah. that, I remember, I watched that fairly recently and I remember that's very different mm-hmm. style to this. Um, again, I, I seem to remember quite liking it, but uh, yeah, interesting though. But I think that, yeah, that animated, what are they called? Co- Co- Cosgrove, Cosgrove Hall. Cosgrove Hall. Yeah, it's Mark uh, Cosgrove a- and somebody Hall, those two guys that formed an animation studio like back in the 70s or something. Very famous, though, right? Really big British animated studio. Yeah. Yeah. No, it did a great job. Mm. Really, really good. Yeah. Because uh, this is such a good story. To have those two episodes missing is, is just such a shame. But um, because of the standard of the animation, it, it really is. It, I think it's the best, next best thing, I think. I wouldn't, wouldn't have a problem watching it yeah. at all. Yeah. And it's only two parts. It's only two parts out of eight. Thankfully, two. You, you yeah. Know? So it's not a biggie. I don't think it's a big a biggie at all it doesn't it certainly doesn't detract from your enjoyment of the story at all well i think it flows very well into it doesn't it? i think because of the style and like you said the use of the sort of photographs that they do it actually flows very well into the episode whereas i think if you'd got animation like we saw in the most recent one like fury if you went from that to the next episode i don't think it would flow as well this this didn't feel jarring to me i suppose is what i'm trying to say i didn't sort of think all right good we've got the animated episode away now let's see the real thing it actually flowed very well um even when we got to episode four is it that's animated or is it five uh, no it's four yeah four yeah even that one i wasn't sort of thinking oh no it's the animated one next it it did flow quite well no it's good yeah yeah and um, what did you think to um, the overall story then? So the, it's based on a story by Kit Peddler. Yeah. It was written by um, Derek Sherwin and uh, overseen by Terence Dix. I think this was the first time he was script editor, I think. Could be wrong, but I think this is the first story he was he was employed to do that. Um, but the overall story is really cool because, you know, sometimes when you have a lot of parts, sometimes that involves a, uh, a potentially complex story with plenty of threads that intertwine. This mm. one's just simple as as you like, isn't it? There's there's, yeah. there's no um, that's that's kind of what I like about it as well because there's nothing wrong with having like multiple story threads, and you kind of go in and out. And normally that involves like the Doctor being separated from 
uh, all of the companions and they go off and do something and he gets captured and there's a bit of rescue and uh, capture and evade kind of thing going on. But this one, I know that um, they kind of split them, like the Doctor and Jamie stick together for most of it and um, and uh, Sally <clears throat> Sally and Zoe, they kind of team up and, and do their thing. But for the most part, it really is just a case of the Cybermen are going to invade. They need to stop them. Kind of, it's kind of got a nice um, uh, simplistic feel about him. And because there isn't loads going on with the story, that then opens up more time to explore characters like Vaughn and Packer and some of the unit guys and stuff. So mm. I thought the the story was really nice and simple to follow. Like you weren't confused. And even if somebody had watched this, like somebody said, I want to watch some classic who, what do you recommend? Is this one any good? I've heard the invasion's pretty good. I'll be like, yeah, man, go for it. Give yeah, it a watch. Yeah. You're not going to be scratching your head thinking, Oh, I haven't seen anything previously about Cybermen. Do I need to know about them? Do I need to know who this company is? Do I need to know who unit? You don't need to, you know, it's all, there's a couple of references to other things. Like when, the doctor first sees the brig, you know, there's a couple of, you know, he explains that since they last met, he's now been promoted and stuff. So there's a couple of little throwaway lines and references to the web of fear. And when they previously met and stuff, but otherwise dude, it's just a really cool sort of nice, easy to follow story. Yeah. It's, and also, like you said, because that, because it's simple, you think, Oh, how do they manage to, how do they manage to sustain that for eight episodes? And, um, it's like a lot of trail things. It's although this is a simple story, it's got so many nice moments in it that just carry through and so many nice elements and ingredients thrown in. Like you said, it's the introduction of unit and seeing the brig again, well, Colonel brig, you know, um, and all that sort of stuff. And also, yeah, that there is a bit of a sort of mention of web of fear. Cause you've got, sorry, we keep saying Sally. It's a uh, Sally's the actress. It's Isabel. Isabel. It's the characters yep. now. Yeah. Yep. So you've got, um, her introduced and, I think they were originally going to have Professor Travers from Web of Fear. And I don't know why, but that changed to Professor... Watkins, yeah. Watkins. They, they couldn't get the rights oh, that's it. for yeah, his character. Yeah, I think they were initially on the table. It was all good, and then they pulled out. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Watkins is a good character as well, isn't he? Another great sort of what I'd call just classic <laughs> character actor that we get in Doctor Who. He's... Uh, um, does he get killed in the end? I, I got to the end of it, and I remember thinking, "Oh, what happened to old Professor Watkins in the end?" I know they do threaten him a few times. Yeah, I don't think they uh, kill him. No, they um, because there's a scene where Vaughn asks him to shoot him, which he yes, does. That's about I'm thinking of. Yeah, and then yeah. he can't believe what he's seen. He's passed out, and then they carry him off. And then the next time you see him, he's been rescued by the doctor, so they're transporting oh, him somewhere. Yes, and then the unit rescues him. Yeah. Yeah, but he's a nice character and a perfect sort of substitute for Travers, if you like. He, in, in a way, I quite like the fact we get to see somebody different who's connected to to, to uh, Travers and uh, Isabel, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of nice moments of that. There's the lovely stuff with the, you know, the TARDIS landing and <laughs> becoming invisible and all that sort of stuff that Troutman does so brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great TARDIS crew as well. They're always fun, aren't they? Tra- you know, the Doctor, Jamie and Zoe, they are such a great, mm-hmm. just the three of them just bounce off each other so brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get some nice horror moments as well. I mean, this, it has a sort of almost, the soundtrack to it, it's a bit like an episode of The Sweeney or something, isn't it? It's got this sort of, or an early James Bond. It's got that sort of um, spy thriller feel about it. 
because uh, yes, of the, yeah. the great direction and although the unit seems a bit jolly that's a bit that's almost pertwee-esque um but yeah the soundtrack sort of adds to the atmosphere for the most part um the only thing is there's a great cliffhanger with jamie where he's thrown in a casket with like well i presume it was a cyberman mm-hmm. something starts moving in it and he's terrified i think oh, it would have been cool if we'd have seen like just a glimmer of a bit of the cyberman as a tease because we know what it is now because <laughs> of what we're watching but back then the cybermen hadn't even appeared in the story at that point so people would have been thinking oh who's in there with jamie but that's a good creepy moment but i think we should have seen like a silver hand sort of trying to burst through the cloth or something or an eye <laughs> would have been good um i didn't realize as well um when i was watching the documentary on this so they're talking about the evolution of the cyberman design because we get a new design in this mm-hmm. uh, which i really like i i love the sort of fuller the bigger sort of headed cyberman that i think that you know they look a bit more uh ferocious. it's a great redesign i think um but they're talking about the teardrops in the eyes so you know the little dots under the eyes which are be- known as the cyber teardrops which we see in the new series design mm-hmm. um so they were just put in so the actors could breathe and it's uh, you know sort of things like that which have we assume it's part of the redesign but actually there's a practical reason behind it so the cybermen outfits in the previous stories they'd been very they fitted very closely to the actor's face and it could get very hot and some actors did pass out because just too claustrophobic so with this design they made the heads bigger and they put in little holes, and two of the holes under the eyes, which become known as the Simon teardrops, they were just there so to allow some air in for the actor. But they do look like, I don't know, it adds another element to the sort of expressionless feature of the Cybermen, doesn't it, having this weird two little tears under each eye. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I like, I like the redesign. I think this is a, it's good to get the more sort of bigger Cyber-style head, if you like. Yeah, no, I read you. No, it does, they do look pretty good, and... No ping pong uh, balls on the arms this time. No ping, yeah. Um, <laughs> I I did laugh though. There were there were two scenes. Oh, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. There were two scenes. Well, there were two scenes throughout the whole thing that I thought, <laughs> as usual, would have cracked up if Adam was here. Yeah. But the first one was in the sewers when the Cybermen are walking along. There's one extra in a Cyberman suit who's like earning his money. Yes. They've said, right, you're He's a robot. Yeah, you're a robot. So what? But most of the other extras, they, yeah, they're kind of you know plodding along, you know, no drama. And then you got this dude with the big arms, Oof. and he's like, whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> <laughs> he's really throwing it out there. He's, he's like, loving it. Yeah, he's like, hmm, I need to visually get across that I'm not human and I'm a robot, <laughs> so I'm going to walk like a robot that you've seen in every kid's cartoon up to this point. So he's got the big. Like he's locked his elbows and shoulders in place and he's got like the um, karate hands and he's like, and he's also <laughs> like walking with a big sort of wobble as well from side to side. Yeah. So he was earning his money. But the other scene that cracked me up, dude, was when um, Vaughn gives um, Watkins a proper right-hander. Do you oh. remember? <laughs> Actually, that's not the bit I thought you were going to laugh at. I thought you were going to say when the side man got shot and he's like on the oh no yeah he does um that was harsh he properly <laughs> slaps him as well this is not i know so this is not a time where they had a lot of money for stunt court because this would have been a stunt coordinator's job like this is how we do a fake slap like your mm. hand comes in the camera angles here so you don't have to connect but watkins um 
uh, when he, you know, gets to his hand, gets to your face, you're going to jerk your face back and we'll put the sound effect in in post. So it's going to look like he's giving you a proper big slap. No, no, no. It was like, right, you're going to slap him. And then, and then this is the line. So he proper, like, <laughs> he goes for it. I think this is down to Dougie's direction, mate. He was all for realism, you know. <laughs> it was just, what I loved about it was Vaughn's character had been very um, unpredictable at that point in terms of he was normally fairly uh, calm and collected. But there were a few times where his patience was tested. Yeah. Both there, I think there were three times where he really kicks off. The first one was where he kicks off at Packer. You know, it got to the point oh, where well, Packer. Packer's he's screwed up again. He's let yeah. him get away or whatever. And Vaughn's like, You imbecile. Like he's probably shouting. <laughs> the other time is when he's shouting at the the Cyberman. I don't even know what it was, that contraption in his office. The yeah, big like it. communication. Oh, yeah. yeah. He yeah, shouts but... at that one. And then this third one where he's, he gives Watkins that proper like round the face and he knocks him over he hits him that hard (laughs) yeah his chops must have been raw after that but he hits him so hard he falls over and then he gets up and oh man i was in stitches dude no time for retakes it's like yeah let's keep that in um i'm gonna think that that thing in his office reminds me of like um one of those things you have in a in a normal office where you get the water from it it's like a a water butt that you just go let's go and get some water well, I desk. thought it was a Starbucks in there. I thought it was like a <laughs> like a really modern sort of coffee machine. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, it was those scenes, man, where I was, I do like to pause it, especially that scene where where he got a slap. That was me done for about five minutes, man. I, I thought you were <laughs> going to say the bit where there's there's two bits where the Cyberman gets shot, and um, it's quite an unfortunate shot of like, there's a bit too much Cyberman gusset. <laughs> it's just like, you get to see, like, oh, I think we should have had that from another angle. <laughs> it's just a bit too, too close up to the Cyberman's crotch. Uh, but it's just the way it's just rolling around. It goes on for a bit as well. You're like, mm. but so uh, yeah, there's a couple of bits like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. The, the thing is though, although some of those things were, were funny, um, they did actually provide, plenty of progression for Vaughn's character because mm. by the end of it, you can see that he's, he kind of, um, although he has that, he comes sort of full circle where he comes back and now he's a good guy at the end. And he's, he's fighting the Cybermen with that machine that he's got that dude to build. Yeah. The, um, yeah. Then it was like a sonic wave kind of thing and it sort of paralyzes him. <laughs> there was that scene where a really good scene actually, where the Cybermen, one of the Cybermen falls off the roof um, I think it's in oh. episode six or whatever. Yeah, I think it was a dummy. I think it was just a, yeah. a dummy yeah, in a Cyberman suit. I yeah. think it's in the last episode, isn't it? Uh, yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but those little moments, though, where he just explodes on somebody and just goes mad, you can see that they're like the cracks, I suppose, that lead to him um, going that, that way towards the end. He's definitely a man on the edge. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I, I think just going back to being close to Knuckle, though, again, I think that's why I love Doug, Douglas Campbell's direction. Is he, you can tell he's very much going for the more realistic side of things. It's not just a case of, right, let's point and shoot and, you know, just get the story done. He, he does go for, like, the, 
realism and the different crazy angles and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, there's a bit of this in what I think it's episode two or three where a guy is like shot sort of point blank range, isn't he? It's like, mm-hmm. and I thought for 62, that's, uh, that's, that's like that again. It's like something out of the Sweeney, <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it's not something you'd see in that much, um, sort of realism in dot two back then. You know, I mean, we don't think anything now of seeing someone get shot on TV. But back then, I thought, God, that's pretty uh, close to the knuckle for Doctor Who. I think there, there was a complaint from someone at, um, high up in BBC. He said, oh, you know, you need to, you, you're sort of letting the reins loose a bit on the violence or something. I think one uh, of the right. BBC directors was a bit put off. But as I said, it, most people wouldn't think anything of that now. But I did sort of think for the time, gosh, they don't just fire one shot into him. They make, you know, he gets a couple of, <laughs> Slugs put it in, make sure he's dead. And I thought, yeah, that's um, quite shocking for the time. But yeah, again, I think, yeah. again, I, that's the realism that, that Dougie would go for in, in Doctor Who. Make that, it a bit more gritty. Gritty, yeah. That was the dude who gives him a lift at the beginning, right? They stop him. I think, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And he yeah. puts his hands up. And before you know it, yeah, they've, they've shot him a they couple of times. Yeah. Shot it, yeah. Yoss. Now, what did you think to the unit in this story then? Uh, I thought they were fairly fairly decent as in they got their hands dirty quite a bit coming from i mean you can see how much unit has changed over the decades i mean the last sarah jane episode that we reviewed last week with quote unquote units in it and yeah. you can see just how much they've changed since the brig's gone he's you know it's not been the same since the brig's gone but i thought unit and the brig they actually had a sizable part i mean the brig's in it quite a lot um and then we have the scenes where they send a helicopter in to rescue them. Yeah. They go and rescue Professor Watkins. They um they liaise with the other countries to launch the missiles at the end to take out the Dalek. Um I keep saying Dalek, what's going on? <laughs> to take out the Cybermen ships and whatnot. And uh yeah, so they had a fairly decent part to play and it was a f- as far as unit stories go, it was a fairly decent one. Yeah, no, it is. I think um unit are great in this story uh, the brig is i mean nick court is just fantastic in it as you'd expect um there is what one bit there's another bit that made me laugh though with uh john levine uh, <laughs> is this john levine's first story in unit it is i know yes. he's been in it as a yeti no he was a cyberman wasn't he previously i don't know if he'd been a yeti at this point possibly i can imagine him going around on set as well saying oh, i used to be a cyberman you know <laughs> uh, but uh yeah he's made his way he's uh, out of costume so he's now um, uh, Corporal Benton, that's the one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but there's a bit where he lobs a grenade down the, <laughs> and he's it's the limpest, weakest throw I think I've ever seen. It's like he's it's like he's getting rid of some something horrible off his hand. He's like, oh, <laughs> throws it down. Thinking he, you know, he needs to give it a proper give it some down, welly. Benton. Yeah. yeah, give it some welly. But I think yeah, it's the weakest throw I've ever seen. But so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you know, I like. Benton. Oh, Benton. He had a stroke oh, of luck, old uh, Mark Levine, in this. He wasn't cast John to play. Levine. Uh, John Levine, sorry. He wasn't cast to play Benton. So the actor that was they had hired to play Benton had just not turned up or he was too late or something, a director. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Dougie. It was just like, no way, this is a... You can't be having this. You're fired before you've even started. Uh, let's have that dude. He gets on... He, he was... When he was in his Yeti costume... He was dancing around on set with Troughton and they seemed to get on. He was like, yeah, he'll do. Let's, yeah. let's say he had a bit of, bit of luck there. Yeah, they, they talk about that. I think it's on the documentary or in the um, 
production notes that Douglas Canfield was a stickler for time because he used to he used to plan everything to precision because <laughs> um it's uh, no it must be in the documentary because Terrence Dix is on about it. He said, oh old Dougie, oh, you know he wouldn't he, he used to he, there was no messing around he had it planned perfectly and if someone was late he would he was had none of it it'd be like you know I'm not having some actor turning up five minutes late and throwing my schedule off and so yeah they were gone <laughs> <laughs> so I can I can imagine him doing that um, thinking yeah well I'm not putting up with this. Um, he was sort of, you know, precision mm-hmm. uh, military style timing. He got it all planned out and wouldn't suffer fools. So mm-hmm. yeah, so lucky old John Levine. Old Levine. Uh, otherwise, yeah. he could have been back in that Cyberman costume next episode if he wasn't careful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is it Tenth Planet? He was a Cyberman. I think it's Tenth Planet, isn't it? Where he was a Cyberman. I um, I don't know Pre- when he I'm was. I'm pretty a Cyberman. sure it was Tenth Planet. He was a Cyberman, mm. and obviously he was also a Yeti. He was a Yeti, and, and now yeah. he's. Corporal Benson. Now he's Benson. So he's worked his he's worked his way up through the ranks, just like uh, Nick Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> Let's rattle through some characters. Yeah. Other than like the the supporting cast members who have the odd line or two within unit, the the few people that did have fairly decent lines. Um, what about Packer? The oh yeah, the, the bumbling security uh, <laughs> officer that's you know always annoying Vaughn. Uh, he was also the Cyberman voice for a couple of scenes as well, but. What do you reckon to old Packer then, Peter Halliday? Uh, I thought he was good. Uh, you kind of feel sorry for him, don't you? <laughs> Keep getting yelled at. He's trying his best and he <laughs> just can't get anything right. Yeah, we've all had that. We've all had a school teacher or a or a boss at work that no matter how good you think you are, they'll always slap you down. Like the rules of the universe just bring you back down to earth. And that was, yeah. I felt, the, the case with Packer. Like always... Because he, he kind of resets himself when Vaughn shouts at him. He's like, oh, okay, right. Attitude adjustment. I'm yeah. back to being like the best as I can be. And he's sort of hyped up for his next job. Like, and he's off and, and doing it. And then alas, it's like, oh, you screwed that up again, mate. <laughs> I think what I liked about it was that he, he starts off so he thinks he's the man. And he's like, yeah, he's like shouting stuff around. He thinks he's the top dog. And by the end of it, he's just worn out. Everything's just gone wrong. He's got no control. He's been absolutely um, hammered down yeah. into the ground by, by Vaughn. He's just given up, and he? But he starts off so confident, doesn't he? Waltzes in, and you know, the big I am. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just she gradually deteriorates throughout the episode. Um, yeah. yeah. But, no, he's, he's well played. I, I, I like the character. But, um, God, if you took a drink every time Vaughn shouts Packer. It was like, oh, poor old Packer. He's really getting it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but yes. no, it's good. He was good. Who's, who's the actor? Uh, Peter Halliday. Peter Halliday, yeah, because I, I recognise him from other things. Was he in Dixon of Doc Green by any chance? Probably. <laughs> probably, yeah. Probably. Uh, let's have a look. You're, you're probably right, mate. Let's have a look. Well, while you were looking that up, I was, I was looking up to see which um, Cyberman John Levine was. I don't think it was 10th Planet. Um, it might have been Moonbase. Uh, I haven't managed to find it even on Wiki, but it might have been Moonbase. Oh, dude, he's had a pretty decent career in Doctor yes. Who. Not so much um, oh. uh, Dixon, Doc Green, or Zed Cars, but uh, he was in the Invasion. Then he was in the voice of the Silurians in Doctor and the Silurians. Mm. Then he was the Aliens' voice in Ambassadors of Death. Then he was Pletrak in Carnival of Monsters, and then he was the Vicar in Remembrance of the Daleks. He's the vicar of it. Oh, well, well, I never. 
I did not recognise him from that. Mm. He's a bit yeah, of a who legend. Is he the blind yeah. vicar at the end? Of the, oh, well. Bit Amazed. of a ledge, old Peter Halliday. Yeah. But not Dixon or Doc Green, eh? Uh, well, you can't have everything, can you? No. <laughs> uh, we spoke about Kevin Stoney, then very good as Tobias Vaughan. He was good, yeah. Great yeah. casting. Yeah, yeah, really good at doing the whole um, quiet but menacing, I've got an evil plan brewing, uh, coupled with the whole you know, yelling his face off and yeah. stamping authority. Very good. Uh, spoken about Nick Courtney. Very good as the brig. Right. Um, Sally Faulkner then as Isabel. She had a, not a huge part, but she was in it for, for some of it with, with, um, with Zoe. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those, not two, those two work together quite well when they're over power the computer. There's a couple of nice moments. She's, she's a bit of a sort of typical sixties, female character i mean they do they do have some moments where she's is it her that's standing up for herself or someone else when it is yeah when you puts her foot down somebody from yeah. unit says something to her about oh no it's when the brig she like explains to him what sort of camera equipment's needed to photograph the cybermen in the sewers in the dark yeah and he's like right i'll get i'll get somebody to do that on the double and she's like no i can do it and he's like no one of a woman going down there we'll that's get one of it. our men to do it yeah, so she but kicks off. But she that. does stand up for herself, which yeah. is which is good because that up to that point, I thought, oh, they're just writing her like you know typical sort of female character that they did in the sixties. Um, because there's a bit quite a funny bit at the end as well. She's chatting up that unit soldier. She's like, "Are you rich?" And she's like, "No, oh, mm. I'm not bothered then." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought she yeah. had a couple of nice moments, and uh, it was good to see. Yeah, good to see that. And it's yeah. um, when they team her up with Zoe. They don't really do much, to be honest with you. They no. they have a scene at the beginning where they go into the electronics company and they mess with the automated telephone switchboard machine and yeah. they blow it up and then they get <laughs> yeah they that machine yeah they blow it up they get captured and they don't really do anything until the end. So Zoe gives them like the the uh, what is it it's like the coordinates for the missile launch to make sure they wipe out all of the ship properly and. But that's about it, really. And I know that for one of the episodes, Wendy Padbury was on holiday anyway. Yeah. So they bring her back towards the end. But yeah, quite a good little team up. And then Fraser Hines as Jamie. You always know what you're going to get with with Jamie, don't you? And um, (laughs) and Fraser's performance. He's just such a great double act with the Doctor. I think that's why they pair them up so often. So good together. They are. He gets really shot good. towards the end, doesn't he? I was worried about Jamie. He's limping off, gets shot in the leg. I think that's because he has a holiday for one episode. Correct. They, they sh- yep. shoot him, but he's fine by the end of by the end of the story. <laughs> he's just got a little limp. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he, him and Pat are great together, and and, and uh, Fraser's great as as Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. He is great actually. Uh, and then Pat himself, he had a he had a belter of a story, didn't he? In this one, he had. Uh, yes. We haven't spoken to him until now, but. Uh, yeah, he just, just classic Troughton, you know, just, um, every scene just lights up every scene and he's got, I don't know, he just has a habit. Well, not happy. He just had this knack of, um, like playing like the really worried, concerned doctor, mm. but mixing it so well with those tiny little moments of humor that he just sort of injects in every now and then. And then there are some scenes where it's just completely over the top, but it still works. Like there's a bit where he's legging down the street and he's being shot oh, at. And yeah. There's these explosions going off. But instead of being, instead of coming across like genuinely scared that he might be shot, 
he's kind of leaping around like a cartoon character. He's like, whoa, whoa, you know, and it's like bloody hell. Like, so that part of it was weird because it was like completely over the top, almost like he was making a cartoon rather than a live action thing. But then you just think, well, that's the second doctor. That's just. It's funny you say that. I hadn't really thought about it, but you're absolutely right. Something about Selton just, um, something about Trouton just sells that, doesn't Mm. he? It's just, yeah, you're right. It's over the top, ridiculously comedic, and yet it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And um, there's something about Troughton that makes that work. I hadn't thought about that, but I think, yeah, if you'd have had other actors doing it, so so if Packer had done that, you'd have thought, oh, he's really, oh, he's ruined that scene. He's gone way over the top there. But he's somehow, hammed it up, yeah. He's hammed it up. But some, yeah, somehow Troughton, it suits him and it's, it's such a, it's one of those scenes that you remember from this episode, this story, isn't it? You think of that scene, you think of the Cybermen at St. Paul's. It's just one of those classic moments. So, it is. Yeah. Man. But yeah. he's able to switch from serious to sort of joy and fun in a heartbeat. And Trouton's so good at that. You know, he can look terrified one minute, like really worried that he doesn't know how to fix this situation to his face just absolutely lighting up and seeing the brick. It's, um, he switches emotions brilliantly, Pat. Yeah. yeah. He's got that amazing face, isn't he? Yeah. Expression of face. Yeah. Matt Smith does that very well as well. Yes, and there's he a, does. Yeah. There's a reason why he's, um, I wouldn't say compared, but there's a reason why a lot of people feel like there's a lot of similarity between Matt Smith's doctor and Troughton's doctor, because they both have that very, they can immediately switch between that kind of humorous over the top larking about to very serious. Like, I don't know how we're going to solve this bit, but yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I, I feel that cause I love both those doctors and that there definitely is. You're, you're right. You're right to not use the word comparison because they are totally their own doctor. It doesn't feel like a, a sort of um, an impression or an imitation of the second doctor. Matt's definitely his own doctor, but there is that same sort of energy, I suppose, to, to, for want of a better phrase. There's that same knack of just playing the serious and the comedic so well yes. between the two actors that, yeah. that does make them comparable. But they, yeah, totally stand alone mm-hmm. in, in their performance. Yeah. No, I agree, man. Yes. Ah, so the invasion then. So I think we've gone through like story stuff and mm. writing and actors and stuff. Uh, other than the music, which I think we've touched on which has got a classic kind of riff to it that they play yeah. once or twice throughout every, every episode. Um, no other music really knocking around. They have like the odd little bit here and there, but it's mainly yeah. that, that theme, that riff that it's almost like a cross between, yeah, like an old bond espionage thing mixed with like yeah, a Western guitar. Isn't it? Kind of fit, yeah. Yeah. It's very and cool. The jolly, um, the jolly unit theme, of course. Don't forget that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, other than um, uh, the animated stuff, which I know we've we've talked about, I think it all just gels really well together. And yeah, I've got nothing else on my note, dude. Have you got anything else? No, no. I'm just looking down at mine. No, I think I've covered everything I want to say on it. All right. So, okay. Scores on the doors. Then I think it's me to go first. It's you this time. Yeah. yeah I'm going to give this an eight point five. Ah, right, cool. So am I. <laughs> ah, copycats again. Yeah, yeah, I did. I was close to a nine. I bet you were too. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah. is this a nine? It's definitely up there. It's a great story. I suppose I'm only knocking off because 
I think I would like to send just a little bit more of the Cybermen, maybe a little bit earlier in the story. And mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's a shame to be missing two episodes, but it's a, it's a classic. It is, mate. Absolutely yeah. classic, yeah. Yeah, and I've, yeah, I, completely, mate. I was really close to a nine. But then, like I mentioned right at the beginning, I think they're, the Cybermen just aren't quite as strong yeah. as you would like them to be. I almost played a secondary character in terms of the villain or the monster of the story. But it is definitely a classic, really good classic who very, very good watch. Uh, highly recommended this one, bud. Yeah, and also uh, just massively gone up on my list, uh, as I said earlier in the view. I can't believe that I, up to this point, have not sort of appreciated this story more. It's It's not one I gravitate towards when I look on the old shelf. I don't sort of... Because especially considering how much I like Troutman, I very rarely pick this one out. Um, and I, maybe it's because of, of the episode count. Maybe I look at it and think, oh, no, eight episodes is too much. But uh, mm. just sitting back and watching this, you know, I've just really enjoyed it. Found it so immersive as a story. I loved it. Yeah. And it's the perfect lockdown story as well. If anyone's maybe that's got... what it is. Yeah, because I've had time to actually appreciate it. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. If anyone's got some time on their hands at the minute and you want to fill it with some classic who this is a outside of the war games, this is a really cool sort of nice long classic. Yeah. Uh, who story for sure. Okay, what did our awesome listeners think? We had um four audio clips in. So thank you very much guys. We're going to kick off with our regular from Dan under. This is Sammy Satine. Carrie and Adam, Sammy Satin here. So, the invasion, Cybermen unit, the Brigadier, Jamie, Zoe, Sergeant Benton, etc. What is not to love? For something that is eight parts, not as long as the war games, it moves along pretty well. I don't understand that machine the Cybermen are communicating with Vaughn through, though, or why he has been supporting them for five years. I don't get it. I give it eight invasion Cybermen out of ten. Now, everyone, a reminder, wash your hands, don't touch your face, wear a mask, stay home, stay two metres away from other people, stay healthy and be positive. We're all in this together. See ya. Thank you very much, Sammy. You are awesome, correct. Awesome, Sammy. Yeah, we are all in this together. Thank you very much. And uh, okay, yeah, so another bit of confusion around the Cyberman contraption-y thing. I want to get myself one of those. Yeah, <laughs> fill it with candy floss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those big old gumballs you used to be able to buy. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sammy. What Sammy give? Eight and a half, is it? I think, or an eight? Yes. Yeah. yeah, good score there. Thank you very much, Sammy. Moving on, this is Joe Turner. I love the design of the Cybermen in this episode. They're more humane and not too mechanical and very unnatural as well, almost like a scientific experiment gone wrong. For me, the Cybermen should be like Frankenstein, and this is emphasising a cracking scene when one bursts out of its cocoon, ripping it ruthlessly open to reveal itself to the Doctor. Zoe was very good in this episode, investigating constantly and using her brain at the end to help with the missiles. Troutson was just as erratic, dandy-like and resourceful as ever, which is what makes him such a great Doctor. He always produces the most human responses, um, responses to a situation and struggles to maintain his emotions, like with Vaughn towards the end when begging him for help. Tobias Vaughn was very good. He was a calm, collective, sinister, shaved Bond villain who had a great look for a 60s villain and was the very essence of a typical evil character. Sometimes I found he overplayed some scenes, being too shouty. But overall, he was decent. And lastly, the big was great and you can see a magnificent relationship blossoming between the Doc and him. 
Also, there were some funny moments, like when the Doc was running away from the cyber shots, jumping in time. And this is a very important story because it's actually when Fraser Hine told the crew that he wanted to leave Doctor Who, and it's Terence Dick's first story as script editor. So overall, I give this episode an eight out of ten. Thank you. Another eight. Nice one, Joe. I didn't know that about Fraser. Yeah, no, yes, yeah. So a good rundown there uh, from Joe, uh, and he gives it an eight. So I think we the eight is the average so far. Yes, that we're aiming for. Uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a nice one, uh, a nice review there, Joe. Thank you very much. Uh, moving on, this is TARDISNet sixty six. The invasion is, in my opinion, one of the very best Sidemen stories. I think it takes what works about the Sidemen in previous stories and puts it to scale with an invasion. I like the idea of all these Cybermen lurking in the sewers. It's a really creepy and scary idea. And the scene and the cliffhanger where they come out of the sewers in front of St. Paul's Cathedral is a really iconic cliffhanger and scene that I really like. And it also has some other strong villains with Tobias Vaughn having a really creepy scare factor to him, but also having these violent bursts of anger, which are really good. And Packer is just lots of fun to watch. And I love all the scenes with the Doctor and Jamie and the Brigadier. They're a lot of fun together. I think Zoe gets quite a bit to do in this story as well, out with using her intelligence to out with the computer. I do think the story drags on too long and they could easily cut two episodes out of it, but I think it's really strong. Thank you very much. Yeah, it is a strong story, this one. And um, yeah, some like we said, some of those scenes with Jamie and the Doctor are just really good. Um, they, they could, I mean, they could easily have cut it down to a six, but thankfully it doesn't drag. I mean, uh, there's no episode where I think, oh, they really could have lost that and I, no one would notice. So there's no episode that I think is bad, but yeah, they could have easily condensed it to a six, I agree. Yes, yeah. So no score there, but it's a strong episode, so we'll call that an eight anyway <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, to continue the, the string of eights. And lastly, this is Seb Lane. Hello, Gary and Adam, I hope you're well. So this week we're doing The Invasion, which, oh my God, it's just a brilliant story in my opinion. It may be eight parts long, so it's quite a long watch. Um, But I hope that you enjoyed it because I just love this story. It's one of my dad's favourite stories of all time and it's one of mine too, actually. The Cybermen are brilliant. This is the second proper story that we see unit in. The Brigadier is just amazing. I think he's actually quite underrated with the second Doctor. The companions are good, and although that we don't see the Cybermen until I think it's like halfway through the story or something like that, it still makes for a really intriguing story, and the plot is just brilliant. And the location work is actually very good in this story as well. So I just thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. So yeah, thanks guys, and stay safe. Another eight. Another eight. Yeah, there is some nice location work in this. I I must admit, I I often forget the brig. Uh, encounters the second doctor i just associate the brig so much with you know pertwee, pertwee yeah. it's, it's quite it's yeah. nice when you see him with the second doctor yeah no it's cool uh, and that's very cool um that you uh that's kind of a generational thing like this is your dad's favorite as well and yeah you like it that's very cool uh so thank you very much guys a string of eights basically from our audio reviews so that's very cool uh, i'm going to rattle through some of the social ones we had quite a few so i'm not going to read them all out in full but i'll give you the gist of each one so morgan mccandless our good friend morgan says fantastic so glad it's been animated it feels like a classic spy thriller uh, goes on to give it a nine out of ten 
and he attached a really funny gif. It's when yeah. the Cyberman's waddling past them in the sewer. It's really funny. <laughs> uh, our writer Jordan Shortman says, probably my fave Cyberman story next to Earthshock. Everything is brilliant. The acting, the script, and the tension builds uh, brilliantly. Uh, it goes on to say, even running for eight eps, it doesn't drag. And the controversial opinion is that I think the animation here is a lot better than the animations we get now. Mm, it's good. Uh, yes. Mm. Um, uh, that was Jordan. And then Chippy T says, might be controversial, but I prefer early Cybermen stories to Dalek ones. Also, I prefer Trouton to Hartnell. Crazy, some might say. This is a belter, though, a 9 out of 10. Oh, yeah. Uh, Titan Sci-Fi, Tom, says, one of my faves, iconic Cybermen with a brilliant villain, Vaughn, and a great story, a 10 out of 10. 10. A 10 from Tom. Uh, Edward Gillooly, this is an absolute classic. The Cybermen in front of London landmarks are iconic shots. As a dry run of the Pertwee unit era, it works excellently. Goes on to give it an 8.5. Rick Moran from the Dwas. uh, To keep such quality up over eight episodes is very impressive, and it does so with cleverness and style. This is an all-time classic, one of the greatest. It's a wonderful blend of great acting and regular cast and guest cast characterization, dialogue and direction. Gives it a 10 out of 10. Cheers, Rick. Uh, Lost on Gallifrey podcast says one of the... Uh, best 60s stories the contemporary earth setting suits it well uh, vaughn is a great classic villain and have the cybermen um, ever looked more beautiful uh, and uh, in the original st paul scene great guest cast with the isabel and brig and tardis trio on top of their game a nine out of ten and another doctor who podcast this is the prog to who podcast um, this is mark uh, he says, the invasion is my favourite Troughton story. Beautifully directed, superbly acted. The Cybermen are great. It's just wonderful. 8.5. Cheers, Mark. Go and check out those two podcasts. I listen to them regularly. They're very good. Lost on Gallifrey yes. podcast and Proctor Who. Uh, Dan yes. Pinn says, my fave second Doctor story. The TARDIS team are brilliant and on top form. Vaughn is a wonderful villain, all charming and calm, yet can flip in an instant. <laughs> and his relationship with Packer is a highlight of the story. Gives it a nine. Uh, Brian Chapman, terrific direction, claustrophobic cinematography, and Kevin Stoney's amazing portrayal of Tobias Vaughn make the invasion one of the classic era's all-time greats. Gives it an 8.5. Actually, no, he gives it nine miniskirts out of 10. Uh, Should be 8.5, but I round it up for modesty's sake. Uh, (laughs) The Running Whovian, Sarah Louise, uh, says, such an enjoyable episode, well-placed and intriguing throughout with just the right amount of comedy. Uh, it was good to see the positive messages around gender equality, and I found the automated response scenes amusing ahead of its time as they still exist and frustrate us today. Uh, she gives it an 8.5. Thank you very much, Sarah. And yes, Sarah. lastly, Matt Steele says, well, this was an absolute delight to watch. I binged the whole eight episodes in one sitting. Wow. Well, the main cast were on fire. It was great to see the origins of units, and you can get any, and can you get any more iconic than Cybermen emerging from St. Paul's Cathedral? A nine out of ten. Cheers, Matt. Over on Facebook, Jeff Waddle says, a great story only slightly let down by the abrupt ending and lack of tension due to staring at a radar screen. Uh, Logically, the need for a cyber fleet needing a signal to land is nonsense when they must have landed somewhere for the Cybermen to be delivered to Earth in the first place. Jeff... Anyway, well, he's ruined that. He's ruined that ending. <laughs> don't take that. Good point. Yeah, don't take it all um, negative for Jeff. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's quite long, but he does go on to say it's arguably one of the best Cybermen stories, along with Tomb. So he gives it a nine out of ten. Nice one. Martin Arnold said, "Probably too late, but I love this story. Nope, you're not too late, dude. Watched it over Christmas a couple of years ago. Really enjoyable. Holds interest despite its length." 
The villain is great. Zoe's gal pal is a fun character. And they have great charisma. And I love the scene with Patrick running away and jumping around. He says this is quintessential who. Uh, my good friend, Mr. Nick Gill, says, I've always loved this story. Maybe it's a couple of episodes long and a jaunty military music is a tad over the top when it kicks in. But it's a true classic. Such a good story. The pretty much used, uh, use it as a blueprint for the new who stories, Rise of the Cybermen slash Age of Steel. Thank you very much, Nick. Uh, Joseph Howarth says, one of the best Sidemen stories. Vaughn is a brilliant villain. The music for this is incredible. Little niggles I have are just the ending being a bit rushed and the cyber controller sounding very weird. Otherwise, a nine out of ten. And lastly, Charlie Turner says, the king of all Cybermen stories. From my perspective, it will take something truly special to beat it. Only downside is that it's not my favourite design of them, but it is a great story nonetheless. Uh, goes on to give it a perfect ten out of ten. Awesome. Crikey Moses, some really high scores for this one, bud. Do you have a favourite Cyberman design? Yeah, uh, the new ones that look like Ugh. Iron Man. <laughs> no, now I know you're just being ridiculous. No, do you know, um, do you know what? my? I think my favourite store, my favourite design is the, I might surprise you, is the Colin Baker Cyberman story. Um what attack uh, attack of the cybermen yeah i think they've just got a really good mix of like classic cyberman with a, just a just enough kind of modern touch to them yeah i know you don't agree with that what's your fave well design? no i know actually no i do i was i was oh. just trying to think what mine was because i knew you was going to ask me no i i really liked the sort of earth shock oh, earth slash shock. attack yeah. yeah um that sort of that's a very similar design i don't know favorite i don't know what's the story after this the next Cyberman. Uh, it'll be a Pertwee does one. Pertwee doesn't, does Pertwee meet the Cyberman? No. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, so it'll be. Uh, it'll oh, be no. A... Then, no, actually, no. Then then we get um, Tom, don't we? Uh, Revenge. And they look a bit. Oh, I'm not sure about that design. Yeah, um, I think. Um, well, that's at the end of his first series, isn't it? Revenge of the Cybermen. I think that caps off his first yeah, series, I think. They, yeah. They look. They got a bit of a hunchback in that. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll probably go with Earthshot. I really like the Earthshot, but I do. There is a real charm to this. I mean, the invasion design is probably up there. I really like it. I like the style of it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. So I rattled through a lot of those. If you guys want to read them in full and also comment yourself on future episodes, you can do that over on the, um, over on the Twitter and the Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, dude, what we got? Uh, next week. So we're on to Torchwood again. And uh, with an episode called Adam. Adam? Really? Really? What's this about? I don't know, don't mate. Remember, you I tell don't us. I remember being in Torchwood. <laughs> I was going to say, you tell us, mate. Named I don't know what it's about. Self. Don't remember the episode. Didn't even know there was one called that. Um, although I will have seen it. Uh, don't know. So, yeah, that'll be, a, hmm. be an interesting one. Interesting Torchwood, one, yeah. Adam. Yeah. All righty. Well, that's next week. Uh, right, dude. Let's let's wrap it up there for 289. All righty. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming back for another week and joining us for episode 289. Anyone that's jumped on recently, if this, if you're new to the show, then welcome aboard. It's great to have you here. Anyone that's been with us for years, welcome back, the old Grizzled Ancients. It's good to have you all here for another week. Um, 
yes, it's been really cool, dude, talking through the invasion. It's uh, We haven't yeah. done a Troughton story in so long. I can't even remember the last one that we did, bud, that was a Troughton no, story. No, actually, no. Uh, I'm just having a quick look at the sheet. In fact, we haven't done a Troughton story this year. This is the first and what? only one. Yeah. Outrageous. This is outrageous, yeah. So it's been great. Uh, I think it was needed. A good old classic Troughton Oh, it's a belter. Black and white. Yeah, it was about one. Next week, as Adam said, uh, we're back on to Torchwood with the episode called Adam. So get your um, Blu-rays or DVDs fired up. And Torchwood, I believe, is still on BBC iPlayer. So um, uh, however you watch that, get that fired up because we'll be asking for your thoughts as always. In the meantime, head over to the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our shows over there. Or you can listen to the show on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts on. Just do a search for the Big Blue Box podcast. We'd love to have you as a subscriber so you don't miss a show when it lands every single Friday. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Come and give us a like and a follow there. We chat Doctor Who throughout the week and we have a free Discord server as well. There's a link to that on the website. Go and check that out. Come and hang out and chat Doctor Who uh, over there. And uh, talking of podcast apps and all that stuff, if you've got a minute to leave us a review or a rating on any of those apps, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whatever, uh, that would be really, really great. That helps us out loads. So those of you that have left reviews, thank you so much for that. Uh, that would be really good because it helps us out loads and loads with that stuff. Also, go and check out my co-host channel over on YouTube. It's only the Geek's Handbag. <laughs> yeah, go and have a look at that. There's somebody at the door. It's the Geek's <laughs> Handbag YouTube channel. Go and check it out. There's loads of really cool um, geek videos there, unboxings, reviews, um, locations that like loads of just awesome stuff get a drink get comfy go and check out Adam's stuff he's on the socials too under the same name the Geek's oh, Handbag everywhere <laughs> he's everywhere right until next week for episode 290 my name's Gary my name's Adam and remember Elondi <laughs> <laughs>